A reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Thank you uh, for coming back if you have, and thank you for uh, risking it for the first time if that's you. Let me just lead us in a short prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, please open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things out of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Well, meet Nicodemus. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. He was a Pharisee, which means he was one of about 6,000 Jewish people who had taken a public vow to devote their lives to religion. He was also a member of the Jewish ruling council. And Jesus described him as teacher of Israel later on in verse 10. So he's something like a bishop, an MP, and a professor of theology, all rolled into one. I can imagine his mother was very proud of him indeed. And if uh, Nicodemus were to go on mastermind, his chosen subject would have been the kingdom of God. The Jews believed that through them, the God who created the world was fulfilling his plan to set up his eternal kingdom. And Nicodemus yearns for the kingdom of God because he knows how good it will be. He knows that the creator's plan to bring all things back under his rule is not a plan to oppress people, but to set them free. And Nicodemus makes his way through the streets of Jerusalem. It is the prospect of that day that quickens his step towards Jesus. In Nicodemus' mind, the stakes are very high. He's not going to Jesus to explore his own spirituality. He's going because when God puts this broken world back together and makes all things new, Nicodemus wants to be part of it. He doesn't want to miss out. And for us, the stakes are the same. How do you and how do I get to be part of the kingdom of God? 
Well, the first thing that Jesus says to Nicodemus is that to get into the kingdom of God, you need a miracle. To, need, to get into the kingdom of God, you need a miracle. Nicodemus sits himself down and uh, launches in. Look with me at uh, verse 2. From my reading of the Old Testament, he's saying, I know the signs to look for. Are you the one I think you are? And if you are, what can you tell me about how to get into the kingdom? And Jesus looks Nicodemus in the eye and he declares, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Jesus is saying, look, Nicodemus, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. Well, that immediately puts us at a slight disadvantage. Because as far as we're concerned, born again means fanatic. We don't mind rugby fanatics or Rachmaninoff fanatics. But we do worry about religious fanatics. We've seen them outside Parliament waving their placards. We've been cornered by them at parties. You can't help feeling slightly that they're unhinged. You need to know that Jesus isn't telling Nicodemus to be a fanatic. A couple of years ago, we went as a family to see the stage production of Billy Elliot in the West End. I'd not seen the film, and I was a little bit unsure whether or not I'd enjoy it. Had it been about bullets rather than ballet, I'd have been much more enthusiastic. But by the end, I was a big fan, and my view of ballet had totally changed. What if I'd been so inspired that I said, right, that's it, I'm packing it all in and I'm off to be a ballet dancer. I show up at the Royal Ballet School for an audition, I dance my piece, and a few days later a letter arrives. Dear Mr Parker, we regret to inform you that we're unable to offer you a place at the Royal Ballet School. We think it only fair to advise you at this stage that it is our considered opinion that your only hope of a career as a ballet dancer would be for you to be born again. What are they saying to me? They are not saying, Mr Parker, if you become a fanatic and practice night and day on your pirouettes and your demi-plies, then you'll have a place. What they are saying is, Mr Parker, you're too old and you're too fat and you've two left feet. As you are, you haven't got a chance of making it as a ballet dancer. You haven't got the ability. You haven't even got the potential. If you want to be a ballet dancer, your only hope is to be born again. Only this time as somebody who possesses a little coordination. What you need, Mr Parker, is a miracle. Jesus is saying when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God, what you need, Nicodemus, is a miracle. Part of the reason we assume we'll squeeze in is that we haven't really understood what the kingdom of God is like. It's not a club for the reasonably respectable. It's a world made new. There'll be no fighting, no fear, no farewells, and no funerals. There'll be no broken homes and no broken hearts. We won't need hospitals and we won't need house keys, because everything will be the way the king wants it. And best of all, the people will be the way the king wants them to be. This is why Nicodemus looked forward to it so much. 
But this is also why when, when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God, you and I and Nicodemus have a problem. God can't let me into the kingdom because, as I am, I'd spoil it. It's going to be a place of no tears, but I make people cry. It's a place of harmony, but I fall out with people. It's a place of truth, but I lie, and I suspect you do too. The question is, why are we like this? It's because we're all playing the same game. The Bible says we're all playing at being God. So the second thing that Jesus says to Nicodemus is, to get into the kingdom of God, you need a ceasefire. To get into the kingdom of God, you need a ceasefire. God, you see, is king of the universe. He created it all and is working out his good plan for it all. But rather than all of us uniting in his good will for his kingdom, each of us is playing king. We hatch our own little plans for our own little kingdoms. But when you plan, and I plan, and we clash, whose plan do we go with? If you are king and I am king, when we meet, who gets to sit on the throne? So we fight for it. That's why the story of the human race is a story of war. Not just with bombs in Basra, but with words over the washing up. Each of us is fighting to get our own way. Sin is not what we think it is. It's not about going wrong on a few of God's rules, but about going wrong in our whole relationship with God. You see, sin is when we set ourselves up as God, so that instead of living his will, each of us is living for our own will. And the result is a world of conflict. Each of us has been wounded in the crossfire. But the fact is that each of us has also shared our share of bullets. In our world, we're at war with one another because we're at war with God. The reason why the kingdom of God will be a place of peace is because it will be full of people who treat God as God. They will recognise him as the one true king and they'll delight to live his good will. And that is not me. And that is not you. When it comes to the kingdom of God, you and I are rebels. We may not think of ourselves as rebels, but that is what we are. Now it might be that you resent the idea that you're a rebel. Perhaps you feel 90% of the way you run your life is in line with God's ways and that you're and that you're just the sort of person who'd fit wonderfully into the kingdom of God. But it's the remaining 10% that gives the game away. What you're saying is, God, 90% of what you say is pretty good. I'll go along with that. But 10%, well, it's rather unrealistic. It's out of date, and quite frankly, it's going to spoil my fun. If that's what you're saying to God, who is on the throne? You are. 90% of God's ways happen to line up with how you think. But on the 10% over which you and God disagree, you reserve the right to determine how you live. The 10% reveals that although you may be a good person, you don't treat God as your king. Jesus wants us to know that being decent people like Nicodemus will not bring us life. Our only hope of life is to be restored to the relationship with God that we were created for. 
to live with God as our king. So the third and final thing that Jesus says to Nicodemus is, to get into the kingdom of God, you need a new heart. To get into the kingdom of God, you need a new heart. All right, you say, let's imagine for a moment that this is all true. Here's Nicodemus, and he wants to be part of the kingdom of God. For that matter, here am I, and I want to be part of the kingdom of God. Why all this talk of being born again? Why can't I just change my ways and start treating God as king? Well, here is the shattering thing that Jesus is saying. He's saying, you can't change your ways. It's not just that we don't treat God as king. It's that we can't. We've been born and bred into a world that has walked out on God. Putting ourselves at the centre of things is in our blood. It's the culture we've been steeped in. It's been well said that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Our hearts are like um, a wood in bowls with a bias and it all always veers off in a particular direction. We can polish ourselves on the outside as much as we like. But what I'm like on the inside means that again and again I veer off in a selfish direction. That's why there's no place for me in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a foreign country. They do things differently there. As things stand, I won't fit in. My only hope is a new heart. And Nicodemus is outraged. Have a look at verse 4. What am I supposed to do? Get back inside my mother's womb and hope I turn out differently the next time? I haven't come to be insulted by this primitive talk of miracles and sin. I came for some enlightened conversation about the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus has certainly hit Nicodemus' button. And it could be that he's hit yours too. He is saying, isn't he, one of the things that our culture doesn't want to hear. But it seems to me that what he's saying makes sense of how things really are in the world. We long to be better children, better friends, better husbands or wives, better parents. But there's a gap between the people we long to be and the people we actually are. And Jesus is saying that I can make any number of resolutions and fill my evenings with all manner of self-help courses. But if I'm going to change, then I need the longings of my heart to change. I need to love God more than I love myself. But all the evidence points to the fact that I can't change my heart. We need someone to intervene. And that is exactly what Jesus says he comes to do. Over the years, I've regularly met people who've told me with great sadness that they've tried Christianity and found that it doesn't work. They say it didn't seem to make any difference to their lives and God seemed as distant as ever. They say they've they've gone to church and they've tried to be better people and they got got involved in all sorts of charity work. But I have to break it to them that they've not tried Christianity. You see, Jesus didn't come to help us to turn over a new leaf. He came to give us a new life. And Nicodemus doesn't understand that at all. In verse 10, Jesus insists that as Nicodemus is a professor of theology, he should know his Old Testament. This talk of new birth, you see, is not newfangled. It's no more than the prophets promised. Way back through the prophet Ezekiel, God had promised that one day 
he would come and do a miracle in the lives of his people. He would give us a new heart, the new heart that we need, so that we can make a new start that we long for. It would be so radical, it would be like a new birth. So Jesus doesn't say, you must go to church more and try harder to be better people. He says, you must be born again. A Christian is not someone who is gritting their teeth and trying to keep God's rules, but someone who's been born again into a living relationship with God. The new birth means our eyes are opened to see what he's really like. And when we see how good he is, we begin to love him. So that instead of blocking our ears to his voice, we delight to open the Bible and listen to what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live. He's changed our hearts, which means he's changed our deepest longings. We used to live to please ourselves, but now we've thrown away the paper crowns and we live to please the king. But please don't mishear me. Christians are not claiming to be perfect. We're people who are feeling their way into a new relationship. Each day we learn more of what God loves and what he hates. And so we learn more of what it means to live for him. But there's also plenty to unlearn. The old patterns of behaving are deeply ingrained. But the difference is that God has given us the power to begin to change that we never had before. Jesus says there's a sense in which this new life is like the wind. You'll see that there in verse 8. We can tell, can't we, when the wind is blowing. Leaves rustle, hats blow off, doors slam. You can tell, tell when God has given new life to people. You can see it in the transformation of their lives. But we can't engineer this new birth for ourselves. There's nothing you can do to make the wind blow. You don't get into the kingdom of God because you're better than anyone else. You get it because God has done a miracle. And this is really important. For as long as we think we'll get into the kingdom of God by trying harder to be better than others, we will, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, never see the kingdom of God. The only people in whom God does the miracle of the new birth are those who acknowledge that when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God, they're completely helpless. For we need a totally new heart. Let me close with a prayer. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus' clarity and his plain speaking and his willingness to engage with this religious insider Nicodemus. Thank you that he was unafraid to say the hard things. But we thank you for the glorious truth that getting into the kingdom of God is your work for us, not our work for you. Help us to rejoice in it if it's something we know. And help us to plead to you for it if it's not. In Christ's name. Amen.